I worked in kitchens on and off for 10 years. Okay. Before okay, I okay. switched over to carpentry. Oh, yeah. Because now you work wood. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you you did meth two more times and working in a kitchen, and that was the end of it. Yeah, and then I met a girl that I decided I wanted her to be it. I was having a lot of promiscuous sex prior to that. Also, (sighs) tons, tons, and tons, and tons of it. Risky sexual behavior goes hand in hand with drug abuse lifestyle. Yeah, but I mean, this was was after the meth. Mm, Yeah, (laughs) okay. Well, before and after. That's still often the case and is not discussed openly. In our society, men are told to go fuck anything that moves and then we're shamed for it. And women are told to never have sex and then are shamed for having sex. So if people aren't addressing the absolute undeniable power of consensual adult eros energy and sex and fucking and lovemaking and many people approach that in many different ways but you're you're giving away literally half of the ingredient of life to random people and it's such an exchange of energy that i have definitely moved into a place in my life where i'm very protective of my vitality absolutely and Uh, lucky for me i only caught chlamydia once only one time that was it thank god yeah (laughs) yeah for real yeah i was like i think i was 19 and that's another thing too like it's so people don't talk about it and they're embarrassed and it's like bro the statistics say that if you don't have one you're like in the out group (laughs) which is so messed up it's so messed up right yeah Yeah, yeah, like uh yeah i was a i was a definitely a promiscuous dude for a hot minute i was you know i've been i was an unfaithful partner i was a cheating husband i did i did all the illicit awful stuff man and it was always because much like you were talking about earlier uh you felt helpless right and so you were angry i felt like i had no intrinsic value i wasn't un- i didn't love myself and so anytime i could manipulate someone into having sex with me i was like oh i'm valuable and they see me and it's like well that's fucking stupid dude <laughs> that's so that's a, such a bad feedback loop oh my god i love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so but that's cool man so you met uh, yeah um um i have uh two teenagers uh with this woman and it ended up being a very toxic traumatic situation yeah. for me to the point that i don't even speak to their mom at all haven't in years mm-hmm. and probably won't yeah ever just coming in with these heaters dude like <laughs> that's stuff that men aren't allowed to talk about that hardly ever either that stuff happens to us as well we Absolutely. end up in relationships that are unhealthy and toxic there's just people waiting in the wings to point a finger at a dude when a relationship's over and they're like it's fucking your fault like i actually showed up powerfully and presently with full love it wasn't me you know and in the same time like we're responsible for everything that happens to us right yes we are yeah. we absolutely yeah. are we have uh, a hand in the things that happen to us just as much as yeah. 
Because we have full agency and we yeah. see the red flags and we choose to walk by because those titties are nice or that pussy feels too good or whatever, right? Like truly. Sure. And yeah. that might be a little bit crude, but this is the really like real, real things that at least go through my mind. I don't know if that was the same case for you, but I've stayed in relationships way too long because I thought the sex was, that was like the end of the world, fucking best sex I was ever going to have. <laughs> you know, like oh, I can take oh, that emotional yeah. and physical abuse if I get that ass over time. I stayed in the relationship for the sake of my kids. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and then it, it came to a point where that just wasn't even an option anymore. Staying together for the kids is one of the worst things that we can do. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we really showed them what dysfunction looks like yeah. uh, on a regular basis. Yeah. And we just really drove that home. <laughs> yeah. No, I love how you took that serious tactic. Like, yeah, we did our best to show them what not to do. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Indeed. But that separation that I insisted upon for my own mental health reasons or whatever has opened up so much for me to cut that out of my life and still be able to have awesome, healthy relationship with my kids Yeah, with her not involved. Yeah. And that's a, that's, that's really the best thing that you can do. It's really the best thing that you can do. Yeah. It's, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Good. My, Good. my kids are awesome and they think I'm cool too. So. Yay. <laughs> doing cool dad vibes that's what's up yeah, that's yeah perfect yeah yeah. yeah yeah man we separated ways and i ended up meeting my current wife oh i was not looking for we went to high school together i went to a 10-year high school reunion <laughs> party <laughs> and there she was and we connected and you know the rest is history man yeah you know we've been married for eight years going strong and i just God, I love that woman. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You tell me all the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. She's the best. Yeah, she's super cool. Super cool. How has music healed you throughout this process and throughout this expansion? Because you started to talk about busking in Pike Place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can back up to that. Yeah, let's go run yeah, right, run I it mean, back. There's not a whole lot to say about it except for uh, it was a really good time. I made money in the summer, pretty good money doing it. I was still floating, couch surfing, hopping around, you know, doing the promiscuity and all of that, running around with my guitar and singing. It got me everything that I wanted, which was food, shelter, and sex. Those were the things I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was after a couple of years when I when I decided that I was ready to uh, maybe like have my own place and, you know, <laughs> get a job and settle down. And it was cool while it lasted, but I was ready to move on. Yeah, understandably so, right? Yeah. For some stability? Absolutely. So that not every day was completely random. Yeah. Chaos. <laughs> yeah. Chaos. Uh -huh. Yep. Okay. That's beautiful, man. Did you stay in Seattle that whole time that you're busking and doing that stuff? Or did you yeah. travel the country or what did that oh, look like? Yeah, actually I did. I did do a trip uh, down California coast with my buddy Russ. <laughs> Down California way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. And it was cool. We ended up going down and down all the way, I think about to Oceanside or so before we ended up taking off and heading back up north. We met some folks in Berkeley there in the Bay Area. He decided he wanted, that's where he wanted to be. Okay. So he stayed. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and I he stayed that. and I, I went back. That was quite the experience too. Just different people that you meet and the way the journey goes and sleeping in the back of a truck. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was really something else. Yeah. A lot of people don't have the courage to do that, man. Well, sometimes it's courage and sometimes it's just stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I was too stupid to be scared. I don't know. But um, young man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, I do love a good adventure. So, you know, and and I'm still that way. So I I don't know. Uh, I I love (laughs) love a good adventure. Yeah. You know, some people might say, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, let's go. Yo, if I'm scared, we should probably do it. Yeah. It's kind of like the way I, I look at things. And that's what I taught my kids too. Like cliff jumping is my favorite example because mm-hmm. I would always tell them like on the other side of that fear, you know, you're going to have a good time. Like you're scared when you look over the edge, you're scared when you back up, you're scared when you start running. But as soon as you jump off of that edge, that fear, it's like you're breaking through this fear barrier. Yeah. And then you're having a blast and they, they have carried that with them, all of them. Like, and uh, yeah, I'm so, I'm so proud of them. You know, I'm so proud of all of them, man. If you let fear control you, you're not going to have a life to live. Fear-based decision-making is, is definitely something that you want to avoid unless it is something, you know, for your immediate safety. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's that, but you know, I mean, you know, emotional fear, not not survival. There's a huge difference between I'm afraid of public speaking versus I don't want to get shot. Right. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you're not going to die if you have to talk in front of people. You might want to, Mm -hmm. but, and that's the kind of, yeah, it's fair to clear that up. That's the kind of fear that we're talking about here is, Mm -hmm. is that kind of stuff. So I have a question for you. Are you ready? Yeah. This is a David Letterman level question. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So right. I'm, are you ready? Let's go. Okay. Of the two modalities of the two healing modalities, music and psychedelics, which has had a bigger impact on you becoming who you are today in your philosophy and your ability to be fully integrated? I would say that um, psychedelics would be uh, something that is, uh, that has healed so much. It's beyond the music. It's, it's before the music. Uh, it, it has helped me to, um, to accept and love myself in ways that I was always afraid to. I would recommend it to anyone. You know, I was just telling a friend, I've had really good, awesome, amazing experiences where I feel truly connected with the universe and one and, and just the love and the, and the opening openness and ability to really engage with others, uh, you know, and just fantastic. And then <laughs> the flip side of that, where I was so anxiety ridden, mm-hmm. I wanted to go hide. I didn't know where to you know, don't know what to do. I'm uncertain of everything. You know, I'm freaking out. I'm not breathing well. My stomach hurts and just, just all negativity. I was saying that, you know, oddly so, it was those horrible experiences that actually helped me more than the good ones. Yes. Because it, it had a, it had a way of putting me kind of into a, a fight or flight mode, but I could, it wasn't something I could run away from. Oh, you're not getting away. Uh, Buckle up. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, Buckle up. so uh, I, I basically had to reason with myself that I was okay or that I was good enough. I had to make peace with what was going on so that I could actually feel okay. Beyond those psychedelic moments, you know, when, when, I'm, when I'm not having, you know, on a psychedelic trip or anything, those mental exercises that I had to go through to be okay translated into 
today in, into now where uh, I'm able to deal with anxiety and depression and, and dissociative behaviors mm. and the runaway complex or the, I don't have anything to say and I'm just going to be over here so much better. It does still happen. Oh yeah. It does still happen. Mm-hmm. You know, the fight's not over, but, um, uh, it, I feel like they've really uh, allowed me to be okay with who I am and love myself and live the life that I want. I've never been so busy doing the things that I love on top of doing all the shit I have to do. Yeah. Um, and it's great. I love all of that and similar experience. A couple of things I want to touch on. You said specifically that the fight's not over. And for my experience with psychedelics is resistance is futile. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yes. And the more you try to resist that, because it's going to come up, man, uh, even in my practice where I do the work and I have a lot of tools in my toolbox, traditional methods of training and therapy and all this other stuff, in addition to like my dabbling in magic and all these other things. That's my whole role in life, right? Is to, I'm meant to go and sample everything and then come back and tell everybody else about it. <laughs> That's kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. And I think that's the artist's job, right? That's the creative's job in so many ways. You do that with your music, with your guitar, with your voice. I do that with my poetry, with the podcast, with whatever I can get my hands on. One of the biggest lessons I learned is to notice and allow and to surrender. And surrender has a bad rap because everyone's like, oh, then you're quitting and like failing. And it's like, no, dude, like I'm floating in the current of the universe. Like I'm in the ocean. I'm relaxed and I'm present and I'm open to like, I know that the universe conspires for me and everything that it does might be some ugly ass crying and a ton of heartbreak, but it's still for my benefit because that wasn't serving me and I couldn't take myself out of it. So it was taken from me. I just wanted to point that out to really remember, like no matter what you're going through, whether you do psychedelics or not, but to, to stand in witness for your experience, no matter what it is and don't resist it but embrace it, lean into it. When that fear comes up and I'm in a big mushroom experience, I'm going to lean into that. And what they taught me, the big, big takeaway, and much like what you're saying, is to sit with it, to sit with what is going on. You don't need to run. You don't need to hide. You don't need to fight it. You don't have to be in fight or flight. Is this uncomfortable? Yes. Am I fine? Yes. I can be many things at once and it is learning and and actively understanding that I can be in the most, like literally there are moments in a big, big journey where I'm like, I want to die. Oh, I am dying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I've I've actually been there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, I did die. (laughs) Oh, and I am dead. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So here we are and this is, Mm -hmm. this is death. And I'm also fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, And man, you're absolutely spot on. It's like what people call them bad trips. And even there's people are still trying to figure out ways around that. It's like, no, man, that's the medicine. It's so easy to go into a journey and have a great time and dance with the butterflies and slide the rainbows. And I would recommend that to anyone. No, yeah, for I sure. I really would. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but you better do that shadow work or else. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and regardless, you know, you're going to get your ass kicked when you need it. Oh, yeah. And that's so that's really cool, man, that you said that. And I don't want to we don't need to put your specific recipe on blast here. But I will share that there's a lot of cool stuff coming out of maps right now. 
And MDMA therapy is on the cusp of becoming a fully legal, facilitated, psychedelic, even though it's an empathogen, fully available treatment for PTSD and therapy and stuff. And that saved my life. And the reason that MDMA was so effective is because it teaches you to sit with all that guilt and the shame and the self-doubt and all of the disgust, all the things that drive addictive, self-destructive, antisocial behaviors. MDMA teaches you to be with that stuff inside of yourself, to love it, to integrate it, and to be able to still function. And it clears dissociation. And you said this earlier. I was so proud of you. I love you so much. You're like dissociative behaviors. Oh, yes. Huge deal. Which I own. Oh, you have to. Absolutely. You have to. And looking at you guys out there who have five drinks every day of the week after work, like, I love you. And I hope that maybe you could dial that back a little bit. Yeah, right. Because it's uh, just listen to Andrew Huberman's podcast about alcohol and the impact that it has on the body. Just ridiculous. I'm so glad I haven't had a, no alcohol has passed my lips since the 12th of February. I'm I, so stoked on that. I, I must admit, I, I had a bit of a drinker. Yo, you know what, man? There's no judgment here. There's no judgment here. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to follow that up and say, like, if you're being productive and you're doing your thing and you're t- you're t- you take care of your family and yourself and everything mm-hmm. else, man, like, and do what thou do what you will do what you will. I do I, what I want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's course, my body. Uh, well, it's my body. Yeah. Anyway, so MDMA clears dissociation from the body. So when what you're doing is, one, you're getting used to, like, where are all these feelings stored? What is it like to be in this place? I can access my joy and happiness and well-being no matter what I'm going through because that is intrinsic. It is internal to me. It is mine. And I can choose that whenever I want. So when you do start using fungus after about nine to depending on the person, some people have great results with three MDMA sessions. My personal experience was nine or more MDMA sessions. And then you move into using fungus and those sessions can be super intense. But what the MDMA has taught you is how to be with all that stuff that comes up. Then when you get into the plant medicine and those psychedelics, they're able to actually give you even deeper teachings because you did all that clearing work with the MDMA first. Mm, uh, so that there might be uh, some things that I'm realizing as you speak now that make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to share them? Well, uh, well, the the MDMA uh, in, in general, um, I have uh, I have work sessions MDMA somewhat frequently. You know, I don't want to blur the lines, right? Yeah. So what I'm talking about, like truly, what my experience, I had never done MDMA before in my whole life, and then I met a therapist who oh, was okay. doing this stuff underground. I didn't have that. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I want to be clear, so people who are listening know. And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way. Yeah. I'm just sharing my experience. Right. So my sessions were exactly in the the MAPS protocol. I had an eye cover on. I was not listening to music. I was witnessed the entire time. I was doing body scanning meditation. I was laying down and going through my body and sitting with all these things and doing the breath work and all that stuff. And then I was doing integration work three days after that session with a different counselor. And then I was also doing cannabis uh, sessions, maybe once a month with that same process. I cover laying on the table, the whole deal. So I have that experience with all that stuff before I ever did MDMA at a rave or anything like that. Because once I got through, right, right. And that to me is amazing because if had I ever been introduced to that substance before, I don't know that this therapy would have saved my life. Mm. And that's why I'm such an advocate and a proponent. This is the most open I've spoken about this. This is and, amazing stuff. Uh, I mean, and how lucky one could be to be introduced with professional therapists. Yo, that is incredible. Yeah, it was, it was, it did not come cheap. It cost me at the time I was really, and I was in a good place and I had saved up some money, but it was $1,200 a day mm-hmm. 
for a session and it's you're doing the whole day like you might be in the mdma space for anywhere from depending on what comes up man there were times when you'd be like doing such deep emotional energetic work that you would burn off the entire dose in like three hours and you're not even dancing you're doing nothing you're laying there breathing and talking about what's going on and then there were days where you know it would last five six seven hours and you come out of the mdma space and then you get you know a little bit of time to like come back into the come back into the world and like all those kinds of things but it was uh it was beautiful it's absolutely beautiful and i'm so glad that it's going to be legal because it and i had done i'd done traditional therapy talk-based stuff like exposure all these other different things Mm -hmm. and it just taught me how to manipulate people in a more effective way oh okay yeah i can see that i was that guy yeah i was that guy (laughs) okay yeah 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 so um yeah so please please share your experience because i know even and i'm listening to a book right now by i believe her name is rachel newen it's called i feel love and it is the entire like it's the history of mdma and how it has come to where it is today with maps and like the whole story of the people behind maps and the people who initially synthesized it and like it's such an amazing an amazing book i feel love rachel newen fantastic highly recommend Wow. Okay. Yeah. I take this seriously. I love this stuff so much. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Well, my experiences have been more recreational based, honestly, you know, when it, when it comes to it, I found that first time I tried it, I just absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. I would do that uh, sometimes in conjunction with, with the fungus. Right. Oh, a nice hippie flip. Bruh. Yeah. You know, and and it's very enjoyable, Uh, you know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Hold on one second, Brian. At that hippie flip, we're just going to stop for a minute and take a break. We'll be right back. 